Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number three. We've made it. This is uh, this is Jake Carney. And I'm Megan Harris, and we have made it. Not only are we getting all five-star ratings on iTunes, thanks to all yeah, of our you, amazing viewers and listeners out there, but we are available as well on SoundCloud.com and on the AlternativeDaily.com. So we're giving you guys a bunch of options for how you can listen to us, and we are very appreciative that you actually want to listen yeah, to us. Yeah, and there were no nasty comments yeah, either. Yeah, none. No. So we're really excited about that. Our egos are so big, we actually had to move this to filming and taping outside because our heads are so big now. We can't even do it indoors anymore. That's right. Anymore. The windows are breaking. Um, <laughs> Megan, let's, let's actually start out by saying, where can you also find us? Well, uh, you can find... Oh, I see. Yeah. I, I'm always pushing for this. Thank you. You can find us, of course, at thealternativedaily.com. But for those of you like me that love your social media, we are pretty much on every single platform. We're on Pinterest. We're on Instagram. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you just have to search The Alternative Daily and you'll find us there. And I really would encourage you guys to follow us on whatever platforms that you use, that you love. I'm a big Instagram lover, so I run the Instagram account. But our Pinterest has some really beautiful infographics and our Facebook account, of course, is great. And that's probably, I think our Facebook would probably be the best way for people, wouldn't you say, to sort of keep in touch with us? Absolutely. And we've also, oh, we've got our YouTube channel. We have our YouTube channel. If you want to see what I look like, you can watch my videos. Absolutely. And then uh, we also have our news letter too yeah, if you go to the alternative.com and sign up for that and that's actually probably the best way that we communicate with all of our over 1 million subscribers actually ralph did a count and you know we're about 1.2 million subscribers that's so cool yeah, it's really cool that's really exciting to think about yeah. i was the first subscriber really I, yeah i signed up first i was uh, like was about 1 million ago. and seven probably um yeah megan just kind of came along last year yeah so. it's been over a year now isn't that crazy it has been over a year it's like forever oh. it's like Working in dog years, right? Feels yeah. like it's been seven years. <laughs> so how's it going this morning, Megan? Things are going well. As I was telling you, I um, I started trying something kind of cool in the mornings. If you follow us on Instagram, I hope you do. You'll see that the other day I started adding some healthy fats to my coffee. You know, we've talked about it before at the Alternative Daily, how you can add coconut oil and, and different healthy fats to your coffee. And maybe some of you out there are familiar with Bulletproof Coffee. Now, I don't do the exact bulletproof coffee because according to the guy that developed it, you have to Dave add- Asprey, mm-hmm. by the way, the bulletproof exec. I was actually um, at a conference with him really? uh, a couple weeks ago. Really nice Is guy. Is he super wired because he's like always no, on bulletproof he's actually, coffee? No, he's, <laughs> he's pretty mellow. Um, it's funny because, you know, you think the guy that you know drinks bulletproof coffee all day, you think he'd be just all over the board. No, he's really, he's really, really smart guy. I'm Brilliant sure. Guy. He's from Silicon Valley area. Yep. Um, yeah. And he's got a really, really cool story. We might actually interview him on a podcast oh, at some point. Oh, that would be awesome. Um, but if you do want to get more information f- about that, that's the bullet. It's actually not. It's bulletproof exec. Oh, cool. Yeah, but so go ahead. So I, I started doing um, a variation of that where after I make my coffee, and I do use organic coffee, I have it ground when I go to Whole Foods, so that way it's at least a little bit fresher. And um, I've been adding a tablespoon of coconut oil and a tablespoon of Kerrygold butter, unsalted. That's good stuff. Yeah, it's really good stuff. You can use it as you would any butter. And I try not to eat too much dairy, but for Kerrygold butter because it's grass-fed butter. It's really, really healthy for you. And that's, of course... Do you cook with it at all? Yeah, I cook with it some, and I really enjoy that. Anything that you... You would use it as normal butter. I mean, it is normal butter. It's just higher quality, grass-fed, and it's really good. And obviously, try and get unsalted whenever you can. So I take my coffee after I've cooked... After I've made my coffee, and I add it to a blender. I don't have an immersion blender, but if I did, I would use my immersion blender. And then I just do one tablespoon of each with the coffee into the blender, and then just sort of blend it up for about 15, 20 seconds. And then you can pour it back into your coffee cup. And it does a few things. One, it actually makes it a little bit cooler. I'm sort of sensitive to like really, really hot coffee. So I always have to wait a long time for it to be drinkable for me. And it sort of cools it down, I guess, because it's blending air into it. And it almost gives the consistency of a latte. It's frothy. Yeah, it's, it's really, really cool. And it makes your lips kind of just nice mm-hmm. and... Um, yeah, you're glossed all day. Yeah, it's great. It's really, really good. So I've been doing that and I sort of am doing trial and error, kind of seeing what I like with it in the morning. I'm not eating as much breakfast in the morning. Now, that's just me as a personal thing, but I am eating it with a piece of sprouted grain toast because I tried it the first day, as I told you, on an empty yeah. stomach and I was not Yeah, some people well. just don't, you know, just don't adjust well to it on an empty stomach some people do Mm -hmm. some people don't so you know what try around see what you guys would like out there but just you know as I'm trying to do I'm sort of being mindful in the morning because that's a lot of really healthy fats but 
course it is a lot of fat. So I am trying to limit in the morning. Normally I have like my avocado toast. So I'm just not having that until my lunchtime, gotcha. dinner time. Now what are the benefits of bulletproof coffee? Well, one of the big things that I found again with like jumpstarting your system with these healthy fats is it actually also says one of the main components of coconut oil. And we've talked about this on our website. And you can we learn have more it at thecoconutbook.com. At thecoconutbook.com, which is awesome. You know, one of the big things about coconut oil is it contains ketones, which are really, really beneficial for working in your brain. And one of the things behind Bulletproof Coffee is they say that it actually, the caffeine actually helps the ketones absorb better and more efficiently into your body and into your bloodstream. And so I've been finding that I'm not getting, I mean, maybe this is a placebo effect, but it's certainly working well for me. I'm not getting any sort of jittery, sick feeling from coffee. It's sort of really adjusting and digesting into my body quite well. And I'm thinking that maybe the coconut oil and the Kerrygold is sort of acting like a buffer in my stomach yep. and making it, you know, just better for me in the mornings. Awesome. It's good. It's, it's really good. It's just that frothy flavor. It's in the really morning. good. It is really, and it's really not good. like drinking an oil slick or anything like that. One of my girlfriends was asking me last night, she said, well, isn't it just drinking something super greasy? No, not at all. No. It's, you'd be surprised at how well it blends up. And I mean, is anything ever bad if you add butter to it? I mean, let's be no. honest, right? No. So I mean, what Paula, Paula Dean was the one who said add butter to everything. Hey, I, don't think she was, I don't think she was adding the right butter to things. Um, <laughs> But no, this this carry gold, especially the grass really type good. butter is really good. So we're going to get things started with our podcast today. And I want to give a little disclaimer. Last night, uh, about almost 10 o'clock at night, after I had submitted my topics to Jake, after everything was Oh, yeah, approved, we had kind of already agreed on something. <laughs> we were like ready to go. I was getting ready to go to sleep. I got a text message from Jake that said, uh, in his words, let's get heavy tomorrow. So we're going to get a little heavy today. We're not going to get too crazy. But I think this is a great sort of... It's not boring. So it's like, so no, no, no. Don't, sh- don't shut it off. Don't shut off the podcast now. No, you know, no. Don't do At it. least wait until he's halfway through. It's not going to be a snooze fest. <laughs> no, but I think this is a good way to set up that I want to let you guys out there know that I have some research and some things I'm going to put into this. But what Jake is about to tell you guys, you're going to be hearing it for the first time as I am. That is true. Um, it's funny. I've actually told this story to a couple of different people. I've actually done like a couple other podcasts with it, but never <gasps> to like the alternative. No, so there's no, other no. podcasts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but this is like last year. Try not to be offended by um, that. But I've never actually kind of like told this story to the um, the alternative daily subscribers and listeners and readers and all that and all that good stuff. Um, but as you know, with all of our different podcasts that we're doing now, there's an overarching topic. And um, with this one, the overarching topic is, you know, is meditation, right? So as I, it wasn't just let's get heavy. See you tomorrow, Megan. <laughs> yeah, I kind of did set it up that yeah, you no, he did set it up. Um, so he said we're going to talk about death. You know the best. The best. Like, okay, w- good night. That's just actually yeah. It was right <laughs> before it was like we're going to talk about death and meditation. <laughs> good night, Megan. Sweet dreams. The um, so with the topic of meditation, something obviously that's near and dear to me. Um, it's something that I have actually started doing in the past. I think it's like five or six years now. Um, but the way it all started was. Um, I'm going to give you guys a story, so um, I, ho- I hope you like it. Here it goes. Make sure to pop that healthy alternative daily popcorn we told you about. That's last right, week. and just listen. <laughs> um, no, I, it actually it all starts when I was like three years old. What's uh, <laughs> actually true is um, so my entire life I kind of dealt with this crazy fear of death, um, and it wasn't so much like a death of like being eaten by like a gorilla or shark or stuff like that. It was just kind of like the whole what is like death and like actually. Even, you know, to give them a third of it, it's kind of like the infinity, like what happens after death type of thing, right? And so even like at the age of like four or five, I would have these crazy nightmares where it wasn't being chased by like a bear or anything like that. It was um, it was weird stuff like I was dropped on a beach and I had to count the number of, you know, grains of sand on the beach, which is essentially like a fi- infinity. And I would wake up in cold sweats and just be like, oh, my God. And you vividly room. remember this? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. And then, um, or the, another thing would be kind of like I was like dropped or I was kind of like in space and, you know, what is the end of the blackness and stuff that's out there? And for like a four or five year old, this is kind of heavy. Really heavy. So I'd really kind of wake up cold sweats and you could never explain that to your parents at that age. It was just, I couldn't do it. Um, and so these were, co- these were consistent. They didn't happen every single night, um, but they did happen, I would say, you know, once a month or stuff like that. So, you know, fast forward a couple of years, you know, seven or eight years old still having those same things. And at that point, um, I guess, it, I, I don't know how my brain was working, but it kind of translated that into death. And so it, that had something to do with death. At death, you know, what happens? And and then just the thought of death at that point just absolutely scared me. And you kind of think about it from, you know, as, as I have a daughter now, but you're in those ages from, you know, from birth till about, you know, six, 
you're not really kind of like you, you don't know that you're going to die, right? That's something that never goes into you know you're just all in just living in the moment. So around like seven, eight, nine years old, you start to realize you're there's a little bit of mortality going on, which is scary. And so I would continue to have these these dreams, these kind of like infinity type of death dreams, and um, and they would scare they would scare me. And I remember just like watching TV like in my bunk bed, and like you know. I was I didn't watch the news, but you're kind of scrolling through and I saw the news and somebody died and I'm like, oh, my God. And they're just reporting about this and they're not freaking out. And it was something that really kind of floored me. And then I would just kind of like put it out of my mind, suppress it. And then um, and then it kind of got kind of really came to a head probably about eighth or ninth grade. Um, I was on the basketball team and um, I just remember like playing a basketball game and I couldn't get out of my head. I was like, I should be out here like playing. And I just, it's just something that just keeps going through my head. And it got so bad where I actually missed about like a week of school. I was telling my mom, like, I just, I don't want to go to school. I'm just kind of, I'm freaking out. That's all I could think about. So you really struggled with the fear of the unknown, like what yeah. happens after? Yeah, yeah it okay. was never like, you know. Dying. It was, yeah, it was what happens like, after. Oh my God, somebody's going to stab me in my throat type of deal. It was kind of like <laughs> what happens after the fact. And oh my God, if somebody's dead, you know, what happens type mm -hmm. of deal. And, uh, and so that continued. And I went to Catholic school from first grade through 10th grade. So you were already sort of learning yeah. what they say. What happens. they said. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so, and so for me, those, those, the answers weren't really, you know, giving me any type of, you know, relief, uh, relief at all. And so I remember actually talking to a teacher, um, who was kind of like a, you know, I guess a minister or something like that and explaining to him what my issues were. And I was like, you know, help me out here. And he was like, oh, don't worry about a thing. Everybody's going to heaven. And I was like, okay, but that still doesn't make me feel good. That doesn't, that, you, know, you just can't have that answer. That, 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 didn't make, that didn't make me feel good. So I kind of like suppressed it and then, you know, went through about high school and I actually transferred. And it wasn't because of this, but I transferred to um, um, a public school um, where it was a complete culture shock going from a Catholic school to a completely public school. Um, so, you know. You get towards, you know, senior graduation, stuff like that. They started coming up, you know, the, the, the idea of death and these, th the dreams never stopped. I would just always suppress them. And it was just, it got really bad. And then I would always suppress them. So through, throughout the end of, you know, senior year and, you know, the end of your high school career, you know, at, of course you start partying a little bit, right? And so going into college, I played soccer in college. Um, it was a good distraction for it, but I would still always, it was something that would always come up, like at least once or twice a day. And, um, and through college, how I suppressed it was partying, right? So, you know, drinking, hanging out, just kind of like, oh, my God, you know, right before you go to bed, what is that thought? I'm thinking about death again. Well, let me just have, have another beer. beer. Let me have another shot. Let me just kind of like pass out. And so that's how I dealt with it. You and never thought to maybe like speak to somebody or you never thought about like having something anxiety related? No, because of? it was kind of like since it kind of since I went to the, like, I guess, Catholic school, I felt like, oh, that was the kind of minister's you mm -hmm. know, thing. And I actually ended up did talk to a priest about it. And he was just kind of like, everybody's going to heaven. Don't worry about it. And the whole like, don't worry about it doesn't necessarily like I wanted more answers. Yeah. It. Yeah. So went through. And, and by the way, I, I've given Megan no holds barred on this just to interrupt and ask me questions anytime <laughs> she wants. Nobody's so ever I'm done not this. Just being rude. She's not being rude. <laughs> Um, so go through college like that, you know, partying, just kind of completely suppressing it. And then, so my girlfriend time, Gina, now my wife, um, we actually moved down to Florida after college and you know, it's, it's something that just always crept in my head and it was, I noticed it was getting kind of like consistently worse. So as, as opposed to having like that dream, like once a month, it was actually happening now like once a week. And then the thoughts creeped in my head, like more than, you know, now they're creeping in four or five times a day. And I remember one day like doing, um, like yard work or whatever. And we just kind of like in the yard and I don't like to do yard work anyways, but this isn't why this happened um, was the thought of it came through my head. And now how I would deal with it at this point in my life, I would literally like scream. I would literally be like, ah, like literally you're just trying to quiet that voice in your head. You're trying to quiet that thought. And I literally thought I was like, I'm a freaking crazy person. I, what, what is going on? And so continue, you know what? All right, well, let me just have a drink and relax. Um, so it got worse and worse. And then, um, and then I actually had a, it all came to a head and it was about, I think it's like five or six years ago. I actually had a, um, uh, I had a friend, I, my, my best friend that I met down here, um, I became really good friends with her parents too. And her, um, her dad, actually, we were texting back and forth, really, really good friends. You know, obviously he was like, you know, 20 or 30 years older than me, but you know, being best friends with somebody you meet down here, you graduate from college, you know, now you're starting to kind of mingle with some, you know, people older than you and um so we started texting really good just loved hanging out with the guy uh, one night went out to go get chinese food was at a stoplight out of nowhere car came crushed his car Ugh. gone 
And that was kind of like one of these things where it was like, oh my God, you know what? What ha- it was like, you try to justify everything in your head of like, well, maybe it was because of this. Maybe it was completely freak accident. And he was really the first person in your life that you were close to that passed yeah, away. Yeah, other than you know, like oh, let's say a grandparent. An old on, yeah, member. yeah, okay. exactly. Wow. And so somebody was kind of like taken like that that I was really close with, and then it was like wow, like I just texted him. Now he's gone. Um, and that same uh, his wife, um, who was actually my best friend's mother. Um, at that point, she was a, she was a, I hope I don't do her injustice by getting the numbers wrong, but she was a stage four, um, breast cancer survivor of like 18 years and, um, things were going good for her at that time. And then, um, and then he actually passed away. He was killed and then hers started kind of coming back and it was, um, she went downhill really quickly. So within three months, uh, she had actually ended up passing away. So I had, so I had, um, and I'll say their names. I don't, I don't think they might Lauren, Zach and Danielle, you know, who are all in their early mid twenties. Now they have no parents. Right. And, um, really early. Yeah. And so now they just had, it was just those three. And it was just one of those things where really just kind of like, Oh my gosh. And then, um, and then another three months after that, I lost my grandmother. It was my last grandparent who I was really close with at that point. It was like, boom, like all like death hit me in the face, just staring at me like, oh my God. And that's when I noticed myself just kind of like, even just like screaming a little bit more, a little bit louder. And Gene, like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, nothing. Just have a crazy thought. Just want to get out of my mind. I could never talk to anybody about this. And it's funny because you brought that up earlier was, um, could I, I just, I could not talk to anybody about it. Um, other than just kind of like a priest of saying, hey, what happens when you die type of thing. But I just, because like this conversation that we're having now, I could not talk about it because I would literally get thrown into a panic attack. So these panic attacks would happen all the time. Shortness of breath, just, oh my gosh, I was like, you know, I feel like I'm going to die, but I don't want to die. And death was kind of like the underlying thing of it. You know, those dreams continued of like, you know, this is what, ha- you know, not this is what happens, but this is infinity, blah, blah. And it was just really, really crazy. And so it interfered with work. It interfered with play. It interfered with like everything. And so I remember just literally that, that the following summer after everybody had passed away, um, that summer that I, I could say that my grandmother passed away, um, Gene and I actually had tickets already to go to on our honeymoon. And so we still ended up going to it. Did you get anxiety like being on planes or in cars? Oh, yeah, yeah. Not cars. um, More like planes Mm -hmm. because it was like, oh, my God, what would happen? You know, if this thing went down, oh, this is terrible. Uh, So I would definitely have the funny thing was if I had like a if I had a flight like at six or seven a.m., I would still drink like vodka like at five a.m., like a shot or two just to relax me. No, I'm not talking about getting sloppy drunk, but just to calm the nerves. Right. And so. I, so we went on our we went on our honeymoon, and I remember being in St. Lucia in the shower, and I just have another thought of death, and you know, and what happens, you know, comes up, and I'm literally, I'm like, ah, and Gina's like, what are you screaming about in the shower? And I was like, nothing, and I was like, I have to, I have to fix this. I have no clue how. So when we got back. I literally, I just start, started. I, I actually talked to my mom for the first time. And my mom, who's, who's a very devout Catholic woman, um, as I like to say, a very strict Catholic woman. She's the one who put us into Catholic school. Um, we were talking one day, and she noticed it. Like, I mean, I, was, I wasn't surfing anymore. I was doing anything. I was just like kind of getting through my job and everything. And she noticed that something was up. And so I, I kind of explained it to her. I was like, you know, I'm just really you know, afraid of death. And, and uh, you know, I don't know what happens and blah, blah, blah thinking that my mom would say the typical Catholic answer of like everybody goes to heaven or, you know, and that's not the typical Catholic answer, but you know, uh, you know, don't worry about it. Just pray, which never necessarily worked as an answer for me. And she literally said, this is like, I literally remember it. And she said, you need to find the spiritual balance. And I was like, wait a second. You didn't use the word God. You didn't use the word Jesus. You didn't use the word like salvation. You just literally said spiritual balance. And it's so funny because that night she said that to me and I was like, it, it almost took like a little bit of weight off my shoulders. I was like, wow, there's like, there's, there's like, a, this is the first opening, I guess I could say. And that night we actually, um, she had just moved down here and we had to go mattress shopping. And I was like, it was like the, f- the most fun I've had in probably at that point in like six or seven years, which is like mattress shopping. And because of what she said to me, it's like opened up just like a really kind of like peaceful feeling. Like, this is crazy. So for the next, you know, couple of weeks, months, I actually just literally started Googling, right? Started like looking up things. And here's the deal is I, there's obviously there's tensions between all religions and there's tensions between atheists and, and religious people. There's tensions between the same religion. Yeah. Just and so and it, so course. it's hard to like kind of jump in. Right. And and I, so here's a funny story. And I um since since I didn't feel like I had the right answer, let's say necessarily at the Catholic Church, there's a really cool church by the ocean here where I live, and I was like, oh, it's a cool church by the ocean. Let me go. I asked my mom if she'd take me. Take me. I forget what denomination it was, and so 
we go there and like i'm just so timid and everything and i'm and so i guess the pastor comes up to me and he was like you know hey i've never seen you here before and i was like listen we're just trying some things out <laughs> and i was like would you please not i was like i know this they do this at the catholic church would you please not call us out at the end of the sermon or mass whatever you call it i was like i just want to kind of just like relax oh don't worry about it we don't know what the catholic church says don't worry about it at the end of the sermon or he whatever he's like would uh you know you know these two people in the back stand up and i'm like <laughs> never went back <laughs> never went back so what I actually ended up doing was um, like Googling like everything, like what do Catholics say about death? What do, what do Jews say about death? What do Muslims say about death? What do atheists say about death? You know, those people too, you know, who, who aren't religious, you know, what do they say? Is that it? You know, that's fine. I just wanted to know what everybody thought. And the funny thing was, is in every single one of those things, uh, atheists, Muslims, Catholics, and you have like the whole mystic side, which is pretty cool too. Everything, they all had one thing in common, which was meditation. Every single other one of those religions or atheists or et cetera, they had all mentioned meditation. I was like, that's interesting. There's kind of an interesting point there that that's something that they kind of all agree on. And I didn't know anything about meditation. At that time, I thought it was like some voodoo stuff that I was summoning some spirits and things like that. And so I looked into meditation. And so um, I started kind of Googling around and there, there's stuff where it's like, you know, eight courses for forty nine ninety nine and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know, I, that just doesn't feel right for me. So what's funny is I actually stumbled upon, um, I, I like to surf, and there's a one professional surfer by the name of Taylor Knox. Taylor Knox, great master of the wave, can carve it up. He's just kind of like a, a tall, just like really strong dude, um, real and a really good human being. And he did an article on Surfline, and they were talking about how he trains for, you know, surfing, stuff like that. And one of like, one of the main segments of it was meditation. And he said he likes to do Keeley meditation. And I was like, interesting. Well, let me look into what Keeley meditation is. So I looked it up, and it's so funny. And I've, and, and I've told the folks there um, that are involved with the Keeley meditation, um, the website's terrible. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> their marketing's terrible. But it's so cool because it is. And because it's um, – I went there, and you can – they literally give you the practice on the page for free. And I was like, okay, so I don't have to pay anything. And you can, he has um, – uh, the author is actually Ron Rathbun. And um, he's got a couple books out, and I actually have a he few here right now. Um, and I started looking it up, and I was like, "All right, how much do these books cost? Are we talking? Are these like thirty-seven ninety-nine? Am I going to get this? You know, this you know, the spin for these things?" And it was like five dollars and ninety-nine cents for the hardcover. You wow. could get the you could get the I don't even think it was on Kindle at the time. Um, and so I was just like, that was something that just like resonated with me because this guy was not trying to make money off of these books. And so I, I looked it up just to make sure, kind of like, you know, Googled it around. I was like, this is pretty cool. Let me, let me just buy it. So I bought it and I read it like from cover to cover, like in the morning. And it's tough because it's not necessarily a book that you read cover to cover, but it was something that just completely resonated with me. So every morning I would spend about, you know, 30, 45 minutes, like reading a couple chapters and stuff like that. And so I started doing the practice because um, you can, you know, and, and, and the practice actually goes into um, kind of like concentrating, not so much concentrating, but, you know, feeling your, your, what's called your conscious awareness at the top of your head and kind of like slowly moving it down through uh, you know, kind of the top hemisphere and the left and right hemisphere of your, of your head and, um, and what's going through what's called compartments. So we all go through issues every single day of compartments and, and these kind of like stay in our brain. And so you're moving that down, softening them out, and, um, and then you eventually kind of drop into what's called, eventually, you know, after a bunch of practices, you know, you drop into, you know, what's called your greater keely, kind of like your, some people call it your center, your, your balance or whatever like that. Um, and you try to get to a still point. And so I did this and the first, I remember sitting down to do the first like practice. I have all this stuff going on about death and I'm like, okay, let get out of my head. Got to get out of my head. Got to stop the thing about death, blah, blah, blah. It was terrible. It was like a terrible, terrible practice, but I did it. I did it that morning and, um, and I do it in the morning and the afternoon and I did it in, and I've never, ever been so diligent about doing anything in my entire life than I was about doing this meditation practice. And I did it in the morning, afternoon. And after about three months, it was so weird. I was actually sitting like in my um in, in the room that I was doing it in and for the very first time it was one of those things where I don't want to say like everyone every every everything went blank but it was just one of those things I just remember it was like a feeling for about four or five seconds of what's called like kind of like a nothingness feeling and it was so unbelievably peaceful here's the kicker it was the same thing that I got when I was three or four years old about that infinite black space and I didn't freak out about it and I didn't freak out about it and I didn't have a panic attack. And after that specific practice, never ever had a panic attack about the, de about death again. So then after you do these, after you do these meditation practices, 
you, know, you spend about five to 10 minutes contemplating on the kind of like what happened. Cause you don't want to, you know, while you're sitting there doing it, you don't want to contemplate, Oh, well, this is happening. This is happening. And so I was thinking about it. I was like, wow, this is, you know, that's, and that's when I figured out this is the exact same feeling that I had, you know, when, you know, all these different nightmares and things like that. And so I continue to do it. And as I continue to do it, you know, obviously the, the anxiety and, you know, the depression and panic attack stopped, but then other things started changing too. And so it's one of those things that it completely changed my life. And ever since then, like after that, I could talk about what I felt and here's how I felt the fear of death. Here's that, you know, here's that, here's this never could do it before. And, um, that's just kind of how it worked for me. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's something that I hold obviously near and dear to my heart, but it's definitely a practice. You have to, you know, you have to be diligent about it. You have to be able to do it, you know, in the morning, in the afternoon. Um, how much time were you spending on each meditation? Yeah, no, that's a good question is cause you, cause you'll see people that talk about, you know, doing a 30 minute, an hour meditation, et cetera. This takes five minutes in the morning and five minutes in the afternoon, wow. but it's all about discipline, meaning you got to do it. Right. So you're not going to get, you're not going to, you're not going to get through it. You know, if if you're not doing it. And uh, I've had a couple of people who tell me, he was like, you know what, I'm 75. How, you know, why should I, you know, how can I start now? And I was like, you'll never get through it unless you start. Right. So ever since then, I've literally been able to, I, I, I've conquered, you could say I've conquered my fear of death. I could conquer that fear of, you know, the unknown, et cetera. And it's, um, do I have, it, it's fun. It's funny. Cause like it's, you, you're, I was searching for like literally like an answer of like, oh, well, this happens and here's what his to say, blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't that. It was like, it was like an unspoken answer that I am completely cool with that, I, that, that, that works for me that I know is absolutely right. And it was. It seems like more so to me, like my interpretation is instead of you looking for that answer, you almost stop feeling the need to ask the question. Ah, look at you. Yes. But it's true. You know, you're no longer wondering about what happens, what happens, what's going to happen. Is it all infinite blackness? Whereas now you just don't even, it seems to me you don't even feel the need to ask that question because. Well, that's true. I don't feel the need to ask. Yeah. And, and it's, um, it was just, it was an, it was an overwhelming, peaceful feeling. And, um. And here's the kind of especially here's where people get lost with you know um, with meditation is when you do have an experience like that and that's what it was it was an experience. It's people try and go get that experience again like tomorrow and the next day and stuff like that. And so through when you do when you do Keely meditation, um, it teaches you the art of what's called detachment, um, which means not to hold on to that. And it happens, right? So you're kind of like, oh, I want to feel that again. I want to feel that again. You have to let it go. And so doing the actual meditation practice actually teaches you to detach from things that you're you know, attached to, you know, whether they're good times, bad times, et cetera. You know, I was thinking about this earlier when I was, you know, thinking about our discussion today. It's like when you go out and you're going to a concert with friends and you love it and you wake up the next day like, oh my God, I wish we could do that forever and blah, blah, blah. And you come with like kind of feel like anxiety or sadness because you know what, you can't, or, or what you actually try to do is like try to, you know, top that the next time you're with your friends and stuff like that. And it kind of, you know, you need to detach from that. It was a perfect experience. It was great. Now let me just live right now. And you know, and there's another one that's going to come up organically. So it's been also through the art of detachment too, which has kind of helped me with other things as well. But, you know, there was this, you know, single moment where I experienced what I experienced at three, at three years old, and it was just a completely different perspective. That's really cool. Yes. So that's... Um, Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. It's, um, I, uh, it's something, like I said, I could never talk about before. Um, I would always get thrown into panic attacks, et cetera. Um, but it's, um, it's, so, it's such a cool story that I like to share with people because it's literally a way that, you know, doing meditation has literally just changed, changed my life. life. Completely yeah. changed my life. And so I continue to do it. It wasn't like, oh, I win. I got it. Now let's, <laughs> uh, let me look what's next. No, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a continued discipline. I'm still a student of it. I'm not an expert of it, right? Um, I still... Like exercise, though. Oh, it it's is. It's like exercising your spiritual self instead yeah, of your physical and, self. And it's tough because you'll find times when it's like you, you feel like you can't find time during the day, and it's, it's the same thing with exercise. Like I always, it's it, you always feel better right after it, mm-hmm. right? Um, now there are some downsides to it, um, like exercise, right? Where you're sore after when you exercise, you're lifting a lot, doing whatever, and you're sore. Same thing. If you're if you're doing a good meditation, you might go through what's called processing, which is you've actually what's called dissolved a bunch of these compartments that are in your head, some of these compartmental issues that are in your brain. But it's cool because you know you might fi- find yourself like in a bad mood or a little bit of kind of like burned or whatever in the next couple of days. But what that's doing is your brain is actually processing that compartment out and getting rid of it. Getting rid, and you never have to deal with it again, ever. That's really cool. Yeah. And so it was. Um. And so I did have that feeling after I um. Uh, after I had my kind of like first awesome experience, you know, there were a couple of days of just kind of like, 
it was kind of like feeling down or kind of like feeling just like a little bit out of it, like irritated. And then it was gone. And, you know, it was kind of like, that's gone. I, I've, I've, I've beat death. Like I've beat that fear of death. And it was absolutely awesome. So, of course, for those of you out there who are listening, maybe you're like me. Maybe the idea of meditating seems sort of kind of vague or hard to construct. You know, I completely understand that. I think that before, obviously, you shared the story. I think most people, maybe the stigma out there is, like you said, you picture meditation. Oh, people sitting around in a room and they're chanting and they're trying to get, you know, above themselves and that out-of-body experience. But it's actually really interesting because there are so many different types of meditation And what I've found is that you could actually put yourself into sort of a meditative state while you're doing other things. And I guess before we get into that, we should sort of talk about for a second, you know, understanding kind of what meditation is. And, you know, for all of this, we're going to sort of just speak in broad strokes here. But on our website... Before you go into that, let me just at least say, if people are still following along, if you haven't haven't shut this off by now, um, you can get more. And there's I have no financial ties to this. It's not an advertiser. It's not an affiliate or anything like that. Yeah, this podcast Um, is just telling you guys what we love. um, The the book and the information can be found at thekeely.org. And so that's T-H-E... K-E-L-E-E dot org. Um, and there's links to the, you know, the Amazon books, which are literally like four or five bucks That's and stuff really like cool. that. And so um, so I'd go to thekeely.org. T-H-E-K-E-L-E-E dot org. So again, if you also want more information about meditating in general and meditation, we have a ton of awesome articles on our website. And you'll find some different things on our website that talk about different studies. You know, at Harvard University, studies, uh, scientists there actually published a study. They did an eight-week study, and they found that they were taking MRIs of these two groups of people. And they were doing testing the gray, the gray matter in your brain. And if you're not familiar with what that is, and I looked it up, it's actually a major component of your central nervous system. And it's involved with muscle control and seeing and hearing and memory, emotion, speech, decision-making, self-control. I mean, it's basically everything in your brain, right? So they were having their subjects actually practice mindful meditation. And mindful meditation is sort of encouraging that self-awareness of the present moment. So very good, very good description of it. That was a very good definition. So, so basically what that would mean is kind of when you're doing the meditation, and again, there are so many different kinds and I'll sort of tell you guys in a moment, the ones that I find that help me the best, but the mindfulness one is sort of that sitting and how Jake was talking about the Keeley, you know, concentrating at that focal point, maybe at the top of your head or in yoga class, you know, they talk about your third eye and, and just finding that spot and sort of being self-aware, you know, can you feel a breeze on your skin? Are you noticing how your breathing actually is? Can you hear any sounds? And sort of trying to be in tune with all of those little things that just as we go through our day to day, we sort of tune out, right? You know, you're, we're capable as humans of being able to listen to multiple conversations while the TV's on or we can terribly, people can text and drive. So it's sort of like we also put out all of these other things that are happening, all this other stimulus. And the mindfulness sort of encourages being aware of that and sort of focusing on that. Focusing on one thing at a time. And so this study at Harvard University, these scientists actually had people practice mindful meditation. And they did brain scans at the start of the study and with MRIs, of course. And then after eight weeks, they did the same thing. And here's what's crazy. They actually found out that the people that were doing the mindful meditation, because of course they had a control group that did nothing, and then the mindful meditation, those people actually increased the density of the gray matter in their brain, specifically in the hippocampus, which is um, associated with learning and memory and self-control and all of that. So it's sort of interesting that people that were just taking this little bit of time to sort of tune out, and maybe if you guys were listening to what Jake was saying about, you know, breaking down those compartments inside your brain, it almost, if you think about it in one way, sort of cleared some of that clutter. Sort of you think about your closet, right? You, you spring clean, so you take some of the junk out that you don't need to make room for new things. That's almost sort of what this did is that meditation. These people were breaking down these compartments, maybe holding on to yeah. negative things or sad feelings or anger or stress, and it allowed for more gray matter to form in the brain. So if you think about it, as Jake said, he, he took out these compartments of his brain that were holding him down and burdening him, and he'd had it for over 20 years. And now it's opened himself up to be more self-aware of all the good things in life. And so that's just one study that says that, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, and that's a study that was published from Harvard University. There are many more out there like that. We've got a ton, again, yep. 
all of our articles on our website, you guys can always rest assured, we back everything up with evidence and we link them to Yeah, that to Harvard studies. study that we, that we ran is, um, is extremely popular on our site. And it's something that we actually, you know, we will we'll occasionally kind of still put out there to, to some of the new people. Um, but it's also important to say is um, I still get mad. Of course. I still get angry. You're I still get sad. You're not going to become, you know, but you know I, I, I Gandhi. Would, uh, yeah, I would say the, um, the thing that I've, I've kind of learned the most out of it is that just things become more real, right? So even if there is a sad part or even if there is a, um, a bad part of life, you feel it. And, it, you know, it sucks, but you recognize that feeling, but you detach from it. And you say, okay, I'm going to let that go. And same thing with being happy. You know what? You have a great thing that happens in your life and you're with friends or family and this great thing happens. It's awesome. But you don't hold on to that and you say, I don't want this time, you know, I, I don't want this time, you know, to end and stuff like that. You just experience it for what it is. So it's um, it's something that, you know, I, I highly encourage people to do. Uh, but Megan, to, what do you do when it comes to, you know, I obviously share what I do for meditation. What, what does Megan do for meditation? So for me, as I've told you guys on the podcast before, I, I love to work out. I, I do a variety of different exercise routines and different sort of things, you know, to stay healthy. And one of my favorite things to do as a relaxing day or a day off an active rest day is I love yoga. And yoga for me took me a while to get into, right? Uh, if you don't do yoga or you don't really know much about yoga, maybe you're seeing things online and people are twisted into these crazy positions and you think, oh God, well, I can never, you know, stand on my head while doing this and I'm never going to be able to do that. Yoga, there's many, many different kinds of practices out there. And one thing that sort of links them, sort of like how Jake, you were saying, one thing that almost links all world religions being meditation one thing that links all of yoga is corpse pose, and it's also called shavasana. And it's the final resting pose that in every kind of yoga that I've ever done, from Bikram to Ashtanga to Vinyasa, all different kinds, so shavasana is the last pose that you do. And if you guys have ever taken a yoga class, it's that final thing where the teacher will, you know, have everybody lay on their backs and sort of get completely rested. You're able to start breathing normally again and you close your eyes and they allow you what the teachers will say or what they say is that shavasana, that final pose is allowing your body to sort of get all of the benefits of everything you just did in your yoga class. And so for me, that was sort of my foray into meditation and the first couple times I did a yoga class you know I was so exhausted my arms were killing me my back was tired so I'm just laying there thinking oh god well why do I have to lay on my back for five minutes <laughs> this is ridiculous like can't I just get out of here you know then you start to hear you know the outside noise right if I did it at the gym I was hearing you know the weights being dropped in the other room and so it was really really hard and I, I could never get into it I could never get into it and then I took this one yoga teacher who's great his name's Michael he's wonderful and he did something at the end that was called guided meditation and he had us lay down and he did a couple different things. And I'll tell you, and one of my favorites, the first one that he did was he had everybody lay down and he said, think back to a time in your life or just think of a memory where you were really, really, really happy. Try and picture where you were, what you were doing. It can be anything at all that when you think about it makes you really, really happy. And for me, it's funny because as I've gotten older, I really love to reflect and think back to when I was growing up, I went to sleepaway camp and I used to go to sleepaway camp every summer for four weeks. I went for years. You didn't I, get tied up and paraded around in your underwear. No, I, that's, there. It's so funny, you know, cause I was thinking about this, about how <laughs> the two of us have such different interpretations of sleepaway camp. No, I hate mine, sleepaway camp. Mine was amazing. And mine was, as I get older, you know, you think, God, I would love to go away for four weeks and sleep in a cabin and have my girlfriends and you play games all day and archery and, you know, sock work. Like that to me was just a time in my life where I can honestly and truly remember being so happy and just you have no cares right and maybe for you it's that maybe you reflect back to your wedding day or the day your child was born and it could be anything and our teacher our instructor was sort of encouraging us to remember everything about you know picture the place you were in and so I going to sleepaway camp in North Carolina would picture what my cabin looked like I could remember walking up to my cabin or being in the mountains and everything about it and to me, that was a great way to sort of start meditating because even though it was about four or five minutes at the end of the yoga class, as soon as it would be over, I would feel almost like how I felt after you take a cat nap or a power nap, you right. know, when you're tired yeah. and you take a nap and you're like, wow, I actually feel really good now. That to me was the feeling I was getting at the end of these guided meditations. And so I sort of started to try and incorporate that into my life. And for me, 
I do every now and then try and take some time to actually sit and meditate, but I incorporate it, incorporate it more into my life when I find myself in stressful situations. So I know this is the opposite of what you're saying, which is to do it every day. Whereas I'm saying I almost use it when I need to use it, Ugh. but you know, when I'm in the car, I, I, I get crazy about traffic. So I'm in the car and, <laughs> and I'm like trying, you know, not to want to kill somebody. And I'm telling myself to just breathe. And so I practice breathing techniques. You know, I inhale slowly through my nose. I hold it for a couple seconds and, in, and exhale through my mouth. And I practice that. And I can actually physically feel my heart rate lowering. And then I'll sort of think back on these different things. You know, summer camp when I was a kid, being on a vacation with my dad and, you know, when I was away, whatever it is, those are things that sort of help me and make me feel better. And I find that at the end of it, I am reaping some of those physical benefits of meditation because meditation is more than just, you know, freeing your mind and, you know, getting over anxiety or fear. There right. are actual symptoms that you will reap benefits of after. And, you know, it increases your immunity. It helps lower cortisol, which of course is the stress hormone in your body, which we all know cortisol leads to inflammation in the body. Inflammation is linked to everything from obesity to diabetes to cancer to you name it. Um, actually slowing down your heart rate and lowering your blood pressure, which I work to do with meditation has been something that has made me, and I'm, I'm, as you have said, I am not perfect in this at all. You're I not? Still, I know. I know. You're well, don't like tell my boyfriend. Every single day. I hope my boyfriend's not listening to this. I am perfect by the way, Colin, if you're listening. Um, this is something that for me has really helped me sort of find myself and try and relax and not get so worked up. And, you know, there's all different kinds of meditation like that. You know, another really good one is the mantra meditation. And I'd say guided, which is the visualizing one and mantra, which is where you, you know, repeat either a calming word or a thought. I do that with meditation, but I also do that when I'm not meditating, when I'm working out really hard at the gym. One of my favorite things to say to myself when I'm working out, you know, I'm, I'm training intervals training. So I'm like really raising my heart rate and then trying to relax. I always repeat to myself, change is uncomfortable because when That's I'm working and, and it really is. And to me, you know, when I'm doing something that I don't like, but I know it's helpful, change is uncomfortable. And so maybe that mantra for you is I will get through this or I'm stronger than my urges or whatever it is. Right. Trying to think about that mantra. And if you almost make it a part of your daily just process, like it is your mantra for living, you can sort of take that idea of meditation with you. Every single day, everywhere you go. Could you imagine if you meditated every morning and every afternoon and still did that? Oh, my God. You know, I would be on such so, a higher plane than well, you. So, I'd be floating into your so house. So here's, here's kind of like my take on that because I told you I wanted to give you a take on that, which was that um, that's, all, that, that's, that's really good. All, all of that is really good, what you just explained, too. And it's um, and those different forms of meditation are extremely important you know, for people. Um, but it's one of the things where you just exactly said where it's, it, you got to get uncomfortable with yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, there, there's some school of thought out there that you have, you know, meditation, you just have to kind of like, you know, you know, completely get to nothingness every single time. Oh, yeah, no, no that's, and, not it, true. It, it, that's, you know, it, it's tough to do. You, you can't, I can't get there every single time. Um, but also if you're doing guided meditations and you're feeling relaxed, that's good. Challenge yourself to go to the next level. Challenge, challenge yourself to do mindfulness meditation and try and try and challenge yourself to get to that still point. Because, you know, if you're just going to say, I'm just going to do mantras just to relax while I'm in the car. Well, that's good. And you're maybe you're not killing somebody in the car, but we need, you know, what? It, it's time to treat yourself a little bit better and try and do the, you know, and try and take it a little bit further than that. So, and that's when, that's like when I, when I've done podcasts on meditation before and stuff like that, that I always tell people, fine, start with the guided ones, start with, start with all these relaxation mm -hmm. techniques, techniques. They're great, but still push yourself to get to where you can get comfortable getting to a still point and calming your mind. Because if you can do that, you know, twice a day, et cetera. You can literally do it in the car when somebody's like flicking you off and driving. And it's funny. I actually have a funny story about that. I was actually at a stoplight and horn was blown like in front of me. A person's flicking them off, screaming. I'm like, oh my God, look at that person. And I don't do that because I just kind of go slow or whatever. Well, yeah, you drive 25 miles yeah. an hour. People are honking at you. And so, <laughs> and so I looked, I was just kind of like, that's crazy. And I don't, you know, I'm not yelling at the person. I was just right behind them. And I just kind of look at their back, like behind it, like their, the back of their car. And there's like peace frogs. They have a, nom <laughs> they have a namaste sticker back there and everything. And everything's like, like, you know, coexist. Everything's like, you're totally not living up to it right now. That's funny. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's something, you know, I know it's important to you. I know it's important to me. Mm -hmm. And especially, you know, at the, in, you know, when you're doing your yoga, um, you know, it's, 
it's good. There's definitely stress relief that comes from it. But if you can also find your kind of, you know, whether you want to call it your center or your still point or your self-awareness point during yoga, that makes it that much better as opposed to just like, oh, this is relaxing. You know what? Now i got to go get, you know, dinner and blah, blah, blah. If you can really, truly just kind of be self-aware and present while you're doing the yoga, it'll just make that experience much better. And building off what you said about, you know, sort of don't be too hard on yourselves, guys, when you start to meditate. Because again, yes. as I said, when I first started it, you know, you almost get so caught up in the fact that you can't clear your mind that I, and I'm guilty of this sometimes. Yeah. I'm like, oh God, I can't relax. I can't relax. I can't clear my mind. Oh, now this is just a waste. And then you all of a sudden you go into something trying to reduce shatter. stress and then it almost makes you even more stressed. And I had a, um, a guided meditation one time and a teacher said to us, and, I, and I, I think about this when this happens to me, to think of your thoughts like clouds you know, if you're looking up at the sky and you see a cloud and then you just, it just sort of moves on. And then you look at the next one. Think of your thoughts if they are coming up as clouds. And if they do come up, practicing that self-awareness of acknowledging that you had a thought and then just moving on from there. If you're thinking to yourself, oh God, I can't clear my mind. The people in the world that are meditating must be able to do that. <laughs> know that that's not true, that we are all humans. Right. We all are going to have those thoughts and they just happen. And maybe sometimes more, you're, the more you think about not trying to think of anything, the more you think, if you guys can follow what I just said there. I get it. But, um, acknowledge your thoughts, be gracious that you had them, and then just let them float along like a cloud would. And I find that when I'm starting to think about thoughts, I almost actually picture the thought in my mind, like a bubble or like the words. And then I almost try and imagine it just sort of dissipating and dissolving away. And it does help. This might sound a little hokey to you guys no, out there. Yeah, but it's cool. If you try this out and you find what works for you, as Jake said, it's I, I see it as exercise. You know, we, we exercise our physical bodies. We eat right. But if we're not exercising our mental and our spiritual bodies, and that's any kind of spirituality that you have, whether that's the absence of spirituality or. Yeah, this works for any, any person. Religious yes. person. You know, we're not saying that one thing, Jake and I both have different religions and we both have different backgrounds. And yet this is something that, as you researched, is something that's threaded through all of that um i don't have a religion but thank you um, right that's what i meant <laughs> <laughs> um, so now we're actually going to get into um reader questions yeah so oh yeah so we should say that if you guys have any questions yep. about meditation or anything you know you can hit us up on facebook of course and go to the alternative and search meditating and meditation and there's some great tips on different things to think about all the different types oh, yeah. of meditation that we talked about and this is a great segue we also do love taking reader questions. Yes. So we're going to try and start ending our podcasts or always having in our podcast a couple of questions that you guys write in. And again, email them, you know, reply back to the newsletters. Jake, I know your email addresses are on those great ways for people to get in touch with you guys. If you guys have any questions about anything health and wellness related, email us about it and we'll try and, you know, That's reference right. it on a podcast. So we're going to go from there now into a few of those. Yep. Um, so we have reader Matt D in Pennsylvania asks... How can I use coconut oil for summer barbecues? You guys talk about it all the time with you know, cooking it in the kitchen, uh, but with the summertime coming out and wanting to cook out, you know, how can I actually use this on the grill? So, which is a great question because I I do love to mm -hmm. you know to grill out and barbecue. Um, you know, I actually have uh, um, a grill where it's actually got cast iron grates. And so you obviously got to treat those grates. You just can't let them out, you know, sit them out and get um, rusty. So here's kind of a, a neat way to use it where you're actually not consuming it, but it helps is um, I actually coat my grates with coconut oil before and after use. So that's cool because I have a cast iron pan, like a cast yep. iron skillet. Works the and same you know way. you're supposed to oil it like with use coconut oil or whatever. Vegetable oil. Use I coconut know, oil. I'm always embarrassed when I have to buy it. <laughs> Don't buy it. Um, so I actually coat my, uh, my cast iron grates for my grill with coconut oil. And here's another way that it actually helps is when you go put your fish or your grass-fed beef or your, your chicken or whatever it is on there, it doesn't stick to it. You can actually flip it. So I use coconut oil that way. Um, and then after you're done, I actually clean it with coconut oil. So I'll take like a, um, a sponge. I don't use any of the hard bristle, br uh, hard, the wire mm -hmm. brushes um, because they can actually break off yeah, in there. Bad for and you can actually eat them and it'll puncture all your insides and you don't want and that. they'll die. Um, and then what will <laughs> happen to you? <laughs> <laughs> That's when you just meditate and you fix the whole wire brush situation. Um, so then I actually, I'll scrub it down with just a sponge, no water, just a sponge in, um, in coconut oil. Um, you can also, here's something that's really cool too. Um, you, you can use coconut oil or, or if you like the taste of coconut oil. Um, if, if I do grass-fed steaks for people and stuff like that, I have a little bit of a kind of like a, a secret trick that I do is on each side, 
um, when I have the steak, when it's ready to be flipped, I'll put either like a tablespoon of butter on top of it mm-hmm. or a glob of coconut oil if the person likes it. And what that actually does is kind of like you know, runs over. It, it run, yeah. No, no, it doesn't caramelize it. It runs over the top of it and it kind of gets, well, it doesn't caramelize it, but the kind of flames come up a little bit. Um, and then you flip it and we, you got to be careful because you don't want to char it because charring, you know, is, is meat is bad. And then you actually, you know, you do it when you're about to take it off because then it just makes it really moist and it's got oh, this yum. really good that flavor good. to it. Yes. Oh, and just a quick side note. I just, just made me think about this. Have you ever heard somebody order a steak called Pittsburgh style? No. I was at a place um, a couple weeks ago and somebody said, I'll take whatever steak it was. Pittsburgh um, style. You know, medium rare Pittsburgh style. And I was like, what is that? And so I actually asked the person, he was like, he was like, I don't know what it, I was like, I don't know what it is. He's like, but it's basically, <laughs> they char the entire outside of the steak. So it's still medium rare inside. But, but it's the, totally burned. But it's all totally burned on the oh, outside. It's so bad for It's you, so though. terrible. Um, but I guess they like the crunch of it or whatever. Pittsburgh, what's wrong with you guys? You're so sick. I, so I figured it, so I actually asked the waiter and because I was actually born right outside of Pittsburgh and I was like, you know, I've never heard of this. What is it? He said, that uh, back in the old days, and my, my, my grandparents actually used to work at the steel mill. Um, when people used to go to the steel mill, what they would do is their wives would pack them raw steaks. And because you couldn't cook it that morning, you know, in, in these kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, in, in these neighborhoods and you know, nobody was cooking steak in the morning to, you know, to take to lunch. They cook them, a, give them a raw steak. And then what they would do is on these massive like steel vats, like these cast iron steel vats that they had this, you know, molten, the molten steel. I don't even know. You know, I, I don't even know what's actually made out of these vats. They would slap the steak on the <gasps> side of it char it to cook it turn it over slap it again to cook it and that's how they would eat it oh my god which is kind of it's kind of cool and kind of inventive but people now should know that you shouldn't eat your steaks charred you know eating all those kind of like you know crispy burnt you know even meat. though those are the best bits you really shouldn't eat yeah. them just kind of like the long john silvers like crunchies at the bottom don't eat those don't um, eat Long John Silver's So Matt anyway. D in Pennsylvania, I hope that answers your question. Just to uh, piggyback off of that really quick, I use coconut oil um, a lot for marinades, oh. like for my meats and uh, veggies yeah. and stuff. So if, if you wanted to, you but could But it's got to stay warm. It. It's got to stay above. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you would do it. You would marinate it like when you're taking the meat out to sort of let it come up a little bit to cool. temperature. So you could put coconut oil on that way too. Awesome. Awesome. Um, next question we have, Alana actually asks, uh, Megan, how do I bounce back from a vacation where I cheated all week? And that's all the question said. So I don't know if she meant cheat on her husband or if she cheated from eating I'm or exercising. I assume she was cheating from her on her diet and exercise. So I was actually... Because we can give dating advice too <laughs> if you want to say if she was cheating oh, on yeah, her husband yeah. all week long. Yeah, let the, I, I don't think I'm one to give dating advice, but... Um, I, I can give the, the health advice or what I would do. So, of course, this is actually good because now we're coming up into summertime and travel. And I just went away to memor- for Memorial Day weekend. And, you know, as much as you try to eat right and be healthy, we're all humans and we're all going to slip up. And I'm the kind of person that I believe in balance. So I don't eat perfectly healthy every single meal. I work out so that I can en- enjoy my life and sometimes enjoy rich foods or that extra glass of wine or whatever. So the best thing you can do after maybe a weekend where you've sort of eaten too much, you're eating out a lot, the first thing you can do when you get home is that next morning, first of all, don't beat yourself up. I'm guilty of this, um, you know, being so hard on myself, but don't beat yourself up. Wake up and realize that today is a new day. Maybe meditate on that for a few minutes that you're going to just reset yourself now. Easiest thing you can do is start your day with hot lemon water. Of course, we always talk about the benefits of that. From there, make sure you are getting as healthy and as clean of a diet as possible. So for me, I just indulged. I ate out at a lot of restaurants. I went to a wedding, so there was a lot of drinking and rich, fatty foods, and it was delicious, but you know, it was very indulgent. So the past few days, I've been trying to eat a little bit more vegan, a little bit more vegetarian because I had so much meat. I've been ending my nights with green tea or ginger tea because it's yeah. really good for... So instead of having your fourth beer, you're, right, you're yeah. going to swap that more, for I'm your tea. I'm more of a wine gal, but exactly. <laughs> right. So, But it is true. You know, having a little bit of that ginger tea or green tea at night, it's going to help your digestive system. It's going to kickstart you for the morning of. So that's what I do. And then also try and get back into the gym as soon as you can. And for weeks or weekends where I've been a bit more indulgent, I always up my cardio. So for you, if that means a power walk or that means trying out that boot camp class that you've always been wanting to do, anything that you can really get more of a heart pounding workout, I find that getting myself reset, going into a steam room, if you're able to, or taking a really hot shower where you can get some of that steam, anything that you can do to sweat out the toxins, those for me so are... So you kind of just do like a, a, your own mini cleanse or detox Yeah, exactly. That. I eat so really, So it's not really like clean. a regimented one where you're saying, oh, I'm doing no, this. No, no. Like, I, I I'm going to kind of 
scale back a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think yeah. it's more relatable and easier to do rather than me telling you, all right, well, you need to eat raw for the next six. I mean, that's not even realistic for me. I wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. So I just try and eat as clean as possible. I eat as many raw fruits and veggies as possible. Lean meats. Again, I try and be a bit more vegetarian or vegan just in a couple of days. I mean, I'm talking about for a week. You know, it's not like you have to do this, you know, for the next yeah. six months because you cheated on your diet for two days. Awesome. Well, thank you. Um, do you want to answer it just in case she was cheating on her husband or no? You want to leave that one? <laughs> if you were cheating on your husband, <laughs> you should not be writing in to have people talk about it on a podcast or at least use a fake name. I mean, come on. <laughs> um, and we have time for one more. Um, Lauren asks, uh, what is the best sunscreen to use and what should I look for? So this, this is, is interesting, actually. I need to listen for this, this one. Is, this, is a, this is a big one because um, especially... There's so much research out there and there's so much, there's so pe so many people on both sides of this, right? So you have your dermatologists and you kind of have your alternative health folks and stuff like this. So I get this question a lot too. Um, so I kind of handle it this way, which is, are you going to be literally at the beach all day with no umbrella? Like, are you stuck there all day with no umbrella? Well then yes, you should probably put on sunscreen because you know, burning is bad, right? Um, but the sunscreen that you should be using is one that actually is a zinc oxide based or titanium oxide based. And Honestly, you're not going to find these, let's say, like at a Publix or your regular grocery store. Um, you know, the Hawaiian tropics aren't going to cut it. The banana boats aren't going to yeah, cut it. Yeah, you have it. to order it online mostly. Online. Or you, you might actually maybe a CVS or definitely like a health food store, like a, um, like a Whole Foods or whatever. Um, so I'll, I will tell you this. Zinc oxide and titanium oxide and stuff like that, it's really thick, right? So you're going to have a little bit of a hue where it's like you look a little like purplish and bluish. And it's stuff like, like that, that white lifeguard nose. Yeah, uh -huh. and, or the pink one. I have yeah. no problem putting the pink stuff on it because you're a real man i'm a real man that's right <laughs> um but it's uh but you should really look for stuff that does not have a lot of those ingredients you know you'll see stuff with like artificial coloring and you know what why do you have artificial coloring in sunscreen um so if you're going to be in there make sure if you're going to be there all day make sure you're putting some of that stuff on um, i shudder back to my baby oil days i mean it's so embarrassing you're just laying out just or, like, in or just like when you spray on that stuff that like sort of makes you golden right away oh my i, I mean, mean i was a sorority girl in college we were all about like the baking 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 i, I love to tan too it, yeah. it's, it happens um there's also a school of thought that you should be using tan beds um i i, I don't necessarily no, subscribe, don't to, subscribe that. to that at all. um but the the thing is though you do need um uh, sun you do need um, to get those to get those rays um, so what we basically say is you know if you're gonna be there for a while if you can go like if you can go 20 to 30 minutes without it just to get that because you're because you actually need the sun mm -hmm. to actually help you battle against skin cancer um, then apply it that's always good um, I always like to just get 20 to 30 minutes of sun especially living down here in South Florida um, and just kind of it, it helps with a whole bunch of different things um, but I just if you're going to be out there all day, put it on. But the best thing too, like I, I will rare, me personally will rarely like just lather it on um, because I have like one of those boop, big old hats that yeah, I kind of put on. You, say, you awesome. see that? You like it? You, I love that hat That's a you big, have. It's a that big, a it's almost, hat. I don't want to say it's like a, um, it's like a straw hat kind yeah, of from kinda, like Bahamas. It's That's like, what it looks yeah, like. Yeah. It's kind of like the curious George man in the yellow hat, it's but really straw. Cool. I like it. <laughs> it's really cool. Because what it does, it actually covers my shoulders and uh -huh. everything. Um, and then, you know, if I do, let's say if I go surfing and stuff like that, um, the last thing you want to do is put on any type of like lotion on your body because you'll slip right Slide off the board. Right so what I'll do is I'll just wear a t-shirt. Uh -huh. I just wear a t-shirt when I go out there. I've been known to like just put on a hat too since I'm mm -hmm. bald. Um, I do have to be careful about my head because that, that does get the most exposed. So if I am not wearing a hat, if I have no hats, let's say I'm around somewhere, I will put some stuff on. I've seen you put coconut oil on and coconut, coconut oil, oil on, on your head. And yeah. coconut oil actually has like a natural SPF. I think it's like between six and eight, um, but it's not necessarily waterproof. Mm -hmm. um, so you just do got to be careful. You got to continue to put it on. And it's like going to like <laughs> melt like butter on your head as soon as you put it on. He smells delicious every time he does it. Yes. But remember, my wife doesn't <laughs> like coconut oil. <laughs> so. She doesn't smell like fun. She doesn't, doesn't like fun. She doesn't like fun or <laughs> tropical smells. But um, but so 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 that's what it, I do want to say that there's the worst stuff to oh use. We God. were laughing about this. When we were talking about it, <laughs> which is that stuff that's in the spray can. The aerosol. Oh my God, it's it's terrible. Um, we ran an article on this because there was actually a story of somebody who was actually at a barbecue. We were talking about barbecues, and so he put it all on and everything, and then went to light his barbecue. <gasps> And I guess there was a leak on it, so some of the propellant had actually gotten on him. Oh, no. And then, woof, lit him up. Now, I do believe he was okay, but you need to be careful with that stuff. Um, it's, it's just it's a lot of propellant. There's a lot of chemicals that go into it. You're not getting the zinc, oxi the zinc oxide and the titanium oxide out of that. Um, I just would, I would definitely steer clear from that. I know that we have a lot of friends and family who don't live down here, so the first thing that they always do is go for that because uh -huh. it's so easy to get on my back and blah, blah, blah. You know, if you have the good stuff, 
rub it on people's backs. Yeah. Just don't be do a it. jerk. Help out your friends. But you know what's something interesting about that? You guys have probably noticed at the store. It's super expensive. And if you've ever watched somebody, so I was just away at the beach. If you've ever watched somebody actually spray it, 90% of it is floating away from them anyways. So it's like you're really only getting 10 to 15% of what you're actually trying to spray on yourself. It runs out so quickly. I mean, there is literally no point to it. And I think sometimes in our society, we almost trade, you know, what's right for us for convenience. Oh, yes. And that's okay in certain aspects. But something like that aerosol sunscreen, especially the kind that they make for your babies, do not use that at all. You're wasting your money and you really are going to hurt yourself. Yeah. So so cover up hats, shirts. Oh, yeah. I always keep a hat. Just keep a hat in your beach bag. I'm lucky enough to have an alternative daily hat. Oh, we do have some alternative daily. Colin really wants one and he keeps getting so mad that I we're going to have to make we're going to have to make available to to some of the readers. I think you guys would love these hats they are awesome yes we'll, we'll post a picture of them too as well to see if there's any interest in them um awesome well that's our that's our last question so um megan i don't know uh, i have nothing else we're still working jake's still learning how to wrap up yeah podcast. how do we have this uh, <laughs> megan where can we find where can you find us all right so if you want to find out more information about everything we just talked about today you can find us at the again we are on facebook twitter Pinterest, Instagram. So connect with us there on social media and they are all very different platforms and we use them all differently. And in fact, a couple of us actually run the different platforms. So you'll always get our perspective on different things. Our podcast is available on iTunes. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast and even more so we would love for you to review it. Give us a rating, leave your comments. We want to know how you guys like this, what you want to hear more of, what you love, what you don't love. It's really only the best way for Jake and I to sort of keep growing with it. And again, that's on iTunes, but we also do post it at thealternativedaily.com where you can sign up for our daily newsletters because those are really cool and very informative. And again, our podcast is also available on SoundCloud. Awesome. Um, I do want to give another uh, another plug for the Keeley book, which you talked about today. Um, that is T-H-E-K-E-L-E-E dot org. Um, there's a bunch of books out there. It's the Keeley dot org. Um, it's a nonprofit organization, and it's a really, really good. Um, and they're not an advertiser. That is just something nope, that you love. No financial ties to that whatsoever. Very cool. Um, awesome. Well, Megan, Thanks it's always you. a pleasure. Thanks Thank you for so much. sharing so much today. I feel hey. like you should have been laying on a couch. Yeah, next week now it's I have you. To bill you. Next week it's you. Uh, well, thank you guys. Have a great week, and we'll talk soon. Bye, guys. We'll talk to you next week.